0: What do you love? I love the church and I love dogs and my stuffy outfit. What I love is um nature that God made and um things that he created. I love my pets, I love my backyard. I love baby animals and I love pets. I love volleyball. I love reading. And I love my grandma and grandpa's house, it's huge. I love my couches, (laughs) and I love my puppy, and I love my baby dolls. Everybody, these are the things that I love. Here is my jewelry box, you can open it and close it, put jewelry in it. I love my... Baby doll, I love my puppy. Noah, what are things that you love? I love going to the park, I love playing volleyball, I love playing football, I love playing tag, even though I'm not that fast. I love eating chippies with my Like I really love them, Books, I really love can you say? I love Mama. Mama. No. I love Dada. Dada. I love Nana. No. I love the most... <laughs> Is this going to be on video? Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Y'all, we got a problem. Y'all got some worldly kids, okay? Um, That's a lot of things that these kids love, okay? Um, I don't know. We may partially need to blame the youth pastor, though, if our kids are really worldly. Um, Joking aside, we, uh, you know, our kids are probably not the only ones with a problem with that. I think we probably can't speak to anyone in this church who doesn't love something in this world. Um, and so uh, when you come across this passage and it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. And if anyone does love anything in the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Um, I, got, I get a little uncomfortable <laughs> reading that. Um, And so today, uh, we're going to take a look into just what exactly uh, that means, what it means to love the world, what it means to love the things in the world, okay, see if there's any hope for any of y'all's kids today. Um, We're only going to be actually, we're going to spend the whole sermon on those three verses alone, uh, just because there is so much to unpack uh, just in these three verses. So um, there's going to be a lot, I'm going to probably use that word a million times today, unpack, because there's just a lot of these uh, short phrases and words that are so dense and carry so much meaning that we've got to kind of dig in deep to them. So uh, get ready to uh, do a lot of unpacking today, okay? So uh, open up to 1 John chapter 2, uh, verse 15 through 17. That's where we're going to be. I'm just going to pray one more time. Holy Spirit, we just invite you in, um, and we ask that you would just speak to us. Holy Spirit, we pray, um, draw us into your presence, and would you shine light upon the word of God that you breathed uh, today. Uh, I pray that you would comfort us where we need it, um, I pray that you would convict us where we need it, um, and that you would just come and be very patient and gentle with us as we do that today, and help us, Jesus. To be patient and gentle with ourselves as well. Um, we love you and thank you for your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, great. Um, so, first things first. Uh, let's just look at uh, verse fifteen. It says, "Do not love the world." Okay, um, that's that's the first probably the first term that we need to unpack, as it were. Um, what does John mean when he says, do not love the world? Um, is he telling us to stop recycling? <laughs> uh, John is not talking about the world as most of us normally uh, every day would use the term the world. We're not talking about uh, planet Earth. Okay? Um, John is not saying that the world, planet Earth, this, um, this big, round, or flat, whatever you believe, uh, <laughs> uh, place is um, not evil in itself, this, uh, this planet that we live on, okay? Um, the world is um, a biblical word that um, uh, the authors of the Bible used, uh, and it carries a lot more meaning uh, than just this planet that we live on. Um, Charles, would you throw that slide up there? Um, it says, here are just a few things that just John, a lot of the biblical authors use this word, but these are some things that just John had to say about the world, okay? The world hates Jesus, okay? Um, the world hates Jesus' disciples as a result. The world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus' enemies, he called them of this world. And he said of himself, I am not of this world. The devil, here, here's the really uh, eye-opening ones. It says, the devil is the prince of this world. And it says that the whole world is under control of the evil one. That's pretty disturbing. So what John is saying is about this world that we live in is it is a world that is led by the devil and it is evil and it is opposed to Jesus. And now he's not talking again about the actual physical planet that we live on. He's talking about a system, an invisible realm, and an invisible force that's led by the devil that is completely in opposition to God. And he said that this spiritual realm is at work in this planet that we live on, okay? Um, we talked about a little bit in our grow group about just exactly what um, the Bible talks a lot about, and we talk a lot about what the kingdom of heaven is, right? Um, and very simply put, the kingdom of heaven is this invisible realm. We can't see it or touch it, but it's this realm where Jesus is the king and where his will is done. I think that's a really good way to define what the kingdom of heaven is and when we step into the kingdom of heaven uh, we do his will and the church his people try to do his will Um, well the world is kind of the opposite of that right if the kingdom of heaven is this invisible realm where the Jesus is king and his will is being done the world that John is talking about is this invisible realm where the devil is the king and his will is being done Here's my point, is that we're in enemy territory, okay? The world, currently as it is right now, is under control and is being led by the devil. Happy Sunday, right? Uh, This is is not the most encouraging news to hear. Um, That is the world that we live in. And that's why when you turn on the news, you know, most people don't leave after watching the news and being like, man, we're really doing great. The world is doing pretty good right now. We don't feel that way. I, I don't, and I don't think it's just because that's what, uh, what sells. I don't, think that's just, I don't think that's just because that's what um, gets people to watch the news. I think that people really are <laughs> reporting on just the badness that's going on in our world because we have a world that's being led by the person who Jesus said his job, his mission in life is to steal, kill, and destroy. And that is why we see so much death and destruction and evil in the world is because it's being led by the evil one okay so with that being said if you frame it that way and you go back and you read it you can uh, clear that slide Charles thank you Um, it says do not love the world well if you understand it to be the world to be the invisible realm that's led by the devil in opposition to God who would really want to do that anyway (laughs) right like it sounds pretty yuck not many people, even if you're talking about Christians or non-Christians, who would hear that and be like, I want to do that. I, want to lo- I really love the invisible realm led by the devil in opposition to God. <laughs> With the exception of maybe a few Satanists, like most people would not be drawn into that. That's not very enticing to anyone. Um, but the problem is, it's not packaged that way for us, right? Uh, instead, He says, here, nobody sets out to love the world in that way. Instead, we fall into three um, traps, I guess you could call it, and John sets forward what that looks like. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. Anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In verse 16, these are the three things. He says, all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. Your translation may say, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. Um, So these are the three things that he says, this is how you love the world. Uh, And so I want to just take a second and say, um, this is what he means by loving the world or anything in the world, okay? Um, If you love cinnamon rolls, that's not a sin, okay? Okay. Because cinnamon rolls are something that's in the world, right? He's not talking about you can't love anything. That's not what he's saying. Uh, What he's saying is loving the world is these, it kind of falls into the category of these three things that we're about to talk about. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Okay? Um, So, don't do lust of the flesh. Don't do lust of the eyes and the pride of life. The end. You guys can go home. Just stop doing those things and you'll be good. Okay? Uh, that's not very helpful, is it? Because what do those things mean, right? They're not very straightforward. What is lust of the flesh? What, what does pride of life mean? Uh, John the Apostle said, you know, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Don't do those things. I prefer John the Baptist. He was much more practical and straightforward. He came and he said, uh, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they said, what do we do? And he said, if you have two shirts, give one to somebody who doesn't have a shirt. And if you're a Roman soldier, don't extort money from people. And if you're a tax collector, don't take extra money from people. Um, So that's a lot easier and more practical to follow, I thought. Um, And if you're not a tax collector or a Roman soldier, you really only have one thing to do. Um, So... I thought that was a lot funnier than y'all are laughing at. Um, But these are some pretty dense, abstract, theoretical words that John is saying uh, that include us in loving the world. So they're going to take some unpacking. Um, Well, I'm not going to do any more jokes, so let's just go to the first one. Uh, Lust of the flesh, okay? Um, What does lust of the flesh mean? This one at least sounds yucky, you know, like the lust of the flesh. (laughs) It just sounds kind of gross whenever you say it, so at least sounds bad. Um, But if you just, what's probably to be good, just take a look at what those two words mean. Um, Lust is kind of a churchy word, and most of the time whenever we think about uh, lust and what that is, we think of uh, something sexual and um, viewing a person in a sexual way. Um, But really, uh, lust, at its most basic sense, just means um, this excessive desire for something, or even desiring something greatly. It's not even necessarily always a bad thing. It can mean somebody's great desire for something. Uh, But usually it means desiring something too much to where you desire a good thing and it becomes something that's bad. Um, But then, another really important thing to think about is uh, what that word flesh means. Okay? Um, this is a word that's kind of been abused a little bit in theology and in church. I think um, "flesh," literally the word, um, it just means body. That's all it means. It means your physical body. Um, and unfortunately, in some pla- some translations have translated this word as "sinful nature," um, and I'm afraid that that's not super accurate and it's kind of unhelpful uh, because what it the the um, what that is communicating is that. Our bodies are inherently some way evil, or our bodies are inherently some way um, bent towards sin, uh, which is not true. Uh, What the Bible teaches about our flesh, it's always in opposition to the spirit, and so it's always, you know, not as good as the other thing. But the problem with our flesh, the problem with our bodies, is that they just, the only thing that's wrong with them is that they're weak. They're not bad. It actually goes against the teaching of the Bible, and actually, especially in this book, talking about... um, preaching against Gnostics, and uh, they're teaching, teaching on uh, that the physical and the, uh, all that stuff is bad, and the spiritual is good. So the body is not bad, it's not evil, it's not sinful. The problem is, it's just not the spirit. <laughs> the spirit is strong enough to overcome sin, and the spirit is strong enough to help us obey the Lord, but our flesh in itself is just that it's weak and unable to overcome sin, Okay. Uh, and so this is um, where am I going with this? Uh, this is important, and when you're trying to figure out uh, what does lust of the flesh mean, uh, if we take it in those terms, it means the, just the excessive desire of our bodies, right? The regular desire, of, of, I'm sorry, today's, this. a lot of this is going to be a little bit intellectual and a little bit uh, diving deep into words and stuff, so I'm getting blank faces and stuff, but I'm going to bring it back, uh, trust me. Um, this is important, I think, and I, I think it will be helpful. At least Maritza said it was helpful yesterday when I tried to explain it to her. Um, and she does not tell me what I want to hear. <laughs> uh, she don't care. Uh, so... When we talk about the excessive desire of our bodies, uh, there is good desire that God has placed in our bodies. Desire to eat, desire to drink, desire to be comfortable, desire uh, even sexual desire. All those things that God put in our bodies are there because he loves us. There's a reason, I, I loved uh, Luke's sermon on food. <laughs> like, there's a reason that, like, you don't just, like, wake up in the morning and take a pill and survive the entire day. And, like, that's your sustenance. Like, he God made cinnamon rolls because he loves you. I'm going to keep coming back to cinnamon rolls because I love cinnamon rolls. Um, but he made food delicious because he loves you. And even the Bible says that uh, God made, he said that... Um, oh man, he must really not want me to say this because I i can't quote it. Uh, I forgot the quote. Okay, I'm, I guess I'm just going to get trouble and misquote the scripture. But he said that God gave wine to cheer men's souls. <laughs> he gave it as a good thing, right? And then, you know, sexuality. God made it for uh, to be pleasurable and enjoyable between the relationship of a husband and man and the safety and promises of marriage. And all those things are good, these good desires that God has given us. But what this trap that the devil gives is the excessive desire of our flesh. Whenever you take this good thing that God gave, and you try to cram it so much into this empty void in our souls, thinking that it will make us happy. Okay? There's this I it's so cliche, but it's just, we say it a lot because it's so good and it's so true. There's this God-shaped hole in our souls. And if we don't have him and we only have the things, that, the good gifts that he's given us, we try to take that massive hole and just cram more cinnamon rolls in it, okay? And try to get happy. Or we try to cram another beer in there and we think that that will make us happy. Or we try to take our sexuality in some way beyond what God has designed it to, to, to be, And we always end up into this broken place and in this love of the world. Um, There is this, um, you can go ahead and, well, well, let me just introduce it this way. Um, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters. It's a pretty pretty famous book that he wrote. But essentially he's, uh, it's a satire and it's written from the perspective of a demon in hell trying to coach a demon on earth and how to lead people away from God. Um, And One of the things uh, that he tells this demon to use is um, pleasures, like pleasure, and he even used the word lusts of the flesh, pleasures of the flesh, Uh, and this is what he has to say to him. He says, it is the same with the desires of the flesh. Never forget that when we are dealing with any pleasure in its healthy and normal, satisfying form, we are in some sense on the enemy's ground, the enemy being God. He said, I know we have won many a soul through pleasure. All the same, it is his invention, not ours. He made all the pleasures. All our research so far has not enabled us to produce one. I really like that. What he's saying is every good thing, everything in the world, actually, sorry, let me rephrase that. Every bad thing that we think of as bad in church really is a good thing that we have taken too far. Or that we have twisted in some way. He says, The devil has never ever created a bad thing. The devil has never created a sinful thing. All he can do, the power to create, lies in the hands of God alone. And so all the devil can do is take and twist and pervert the good things that God has made. And it says, All we can do is encourage the humans to take pleasures which our enemy has produced at times or in ways or in degrees which he has forbidden. And that's really what we're talking about when we're talking about the lust of the flesh. Is taking these good things that the Lord has given us. These good things that God has put in the world for us to enjoy. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Is First um, Timothy 6. It says, teach the rich not to rely on their money but to trust in God who provides all things for our enjoyment. God has given us all these good things for our bodies to enjoy uh, and for us to receive pleasure from. But whenever we try and we turn and take these gifts from God and turn them into God themselves, we end up in the love of the world. So that's the lust of the flesh. The next one is um, the lust of the eyes, right? So the other trap uh, that the devil uses to, to draw us in into the love of the world is the lust of the eyes, right? And this one, is, I think, is pretty straightforward. Um, if the lust of the flesh is trying to take um, things that our body desires, food and drink and sex and all this stuff, and try to cram our souls full of it, um, the lust of the eyes is taking, I like the word that Daniel used, all the shiny stuff, and make that try to fill the hole in our soul really what this boils down to, the lust of the eyes, is covetousness. It's seeing the shiny stuff and wanting it. This is what makes Apple um, very, very rich. Is coming out with a new shiny thing every three months that we all have to have because it's shiny and because it looks great, right? This is the other thing that the devil uses to draw us in. You see, none of us think, we don't, we're not like, I want to follow the devil. I want to love his invisible realm that's in opposition to God. We just say, I want those AirPods. I want that car. We don't know that we're falling into the trap of the devil. That's why, uh, that's why he's the deceiver. He doesn't come out and say like, hey guys, I'm the devil. I want you to go to hell. Come follow me. He just. Shows you the shiny stuff, right? Um, and this might be a kind of a uh, a good place to mention this. Uh, Charles, do you have the um, the next slide of the apple, the fruit? Um, essentially. The devil's been doing, the devil doesn't have any new tricks, okay? He's been doing the same thing uh, for a really long time. John says that his strategy here is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And he's actually been doing this for millennia, from the very beginning. Um, we had Paul read Genesis 3, and um, if you'll notice, I don't know if we have it, so I'll just read it from, I wrote it down here. It says that when Eve saw the fruit, that the fruit of the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, Pleasing to the eye, lust of the eyes, and desirable for gaining wisdom, the pride of life. That's kind of crazy. The devil's been doing the same thing for a really long time, y'all. Uh, I think it, <laughs> I didn't really notice this until I studied, I was kind of trying to study for this sermon and kind of saw um, this connection that a lot of people point out. Um, I think it's really interesting that Eve saw the apple and, like, it's good for food. Yes, that's true. And he said, the devil said, hey, um, it'll make you like God. You'll know the difference between good and evil. understand that. But then she's, and then it says it was pleasing to the eye. It said the fruit was good to look at. Which now that I think about it, I think that might be all that fruit is good for. Um, but there's this thing about it it looked good to her. It was something that she saw, and she said, I need to have it. Something that she saw, and she wanted it, all right? And there's something about this fruit that the way that it looked, it must have been a good-looking fruit, not like a, a raisin or something. You know, it's the ugliest-looking food and worst-tasting. It's like the shadow of, of a grape's former self, uh, all shriveled up and nasty. My daughter loves them for some reason, um, But there's something about, why did it have to look good? Because this is just a way that the devil works. He says, you don't have this, and you need this. And he tries to make it look as good and shiny as possible. Okay. Now here's the deal. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this one, because, um, actually I'm going to cover it a little bit more in the next one, but we don't struggle with this too much in America. This idea of wanting something that we can't have, because we can really have whatever we want, even if you're broke. If you want something and you can't afford it, you just charge it. And that you, I mean, like, you know, we kind of, ha- a lot of us have to do that with like houses and cars and things like that. Uh, because they're very expensive and you have to pay, it, you know, you just, not, most people can just drop, you know, $20,000 on a new car, cash, I get that. But it's getting so out of hand. And I just started Google it. I don't know if you've, does anybody do online shopping very much. I don't know if you've seen this thing, Charles. Do you have this? Uh, I went and looked at a, a few cans of tennis balls. Okay, um, thirty six dollars on Amazon. You old people probably can't see that. It's thirty six dollars on uh, Academy's website. And if you scroll down to where you have where you pay, you can go to the next slide, there, Charles. You can reduce that thirty six dollars. To four interest-free payments of nine twenty-five. That's crazy. You can charge anything now. Like I don't want to pay for it now; I'll pay for it later. And, and this is my point. As I'm, you know, kind of making fun, but we don't really struggle with not having uh, the things that we want. We've made it so easy that we can get anything we want whenever we want it, right when we want it. Um, and so I don't think this one applies so much to us. I think it's this next one that really applies to most of us here. The last one that John mentions, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. This last one is the pride of life. Now this one's really like, what the heck does that mean? Okay, because um, at first glance I'm looking at it and I'm thinking like, the pride of like, I'm alive. Take that, inanimate objects. Like, is like the pride associ- what is the pride that's associated with life? Um, and so that one just kind of, you know, it's just not very self-explanatory. So, again, unpacking. Um, pride there is pretty self-explanatory, boasting, bragging. Um, but the word life there, um, it's, it comes from the Greek word uh, bios, where we get the word uh, biology, actually. And uh, at its lowest level, um, it, it just means literally just life and being alive as opposed to being dead or being inanimate. Um, but a lot of times, this word carries um, a financial connotation. Um, Jesus, whenever the widow went up and she dropped her two coins into uh, the offering box at the temple, um, it's, Jesus said that when she walked up there, she put in there her bios. She put in there everything she had to live on. Is how we translate it. Um, but really, it's it's this idea of life, as it is connected to money. And really, uh, in English, oh, oh, kind of a, we have a word for this too. Uh, what's like the first thing you men? What's usually the first thing you do when you meet uh, some other man? What's the first question that you ask to start a conversation? What do you do for a living? Right? What do we mean when we say living? Like, hey, how are you maintaining homeostasis? How are you? <laughs> All right. You look alive. Uh, that's not what we're saying. We're saying, what do you do uh, to make money so that you can eat and so that you can live, right? That's what we're saying, and so that's kind of what this word means, and so John is saying this, this last thing that draws us in and brings us into participation in loving the world is the pride. Uh, I think one of the best translations I saw is simply the pride of what one has and what one does, If lust of the eyes is wanting the thing that we can't have, the pride of life is being proud of the things that we do have. And I think this is where most of us would be on this, you know, kind of two sides of one coin. I think most of us find ourselves on that side. I'm talking about money again for a minute, okay? Um You know, I think the church has done really well with, um, focusing on this first one, the lust of the flesh. Uh, For example, um, if we opened up Facebook and we saw that, uh, Megan was at a party getting drunk, um, we would probably not let her teach Sunday school anymore, okay? We'd probably call her in and have a discussion with her, right? Um these are pretty obvious and they're pretty easy to tell uh, whether or not uh, somebody is living in them. Pride over possessions is not so easy to nail down. At what point is somebody enjoying the good gifts that God has given them? And what point does that cross over into you are proud of the things that you have and you do? If anybody has the answer to that uh You can probably come up and finish the rest of the sermon for me, because I don't know. Because this is more of a heart issue, right? We can't put a dollar amount on it. But if we did, I would probably put it on a few dollars above what I have, right? That would be too much. That's how we would do it. Because rich people are the people that have a little more than we do, right? But this is something that we really, really need to take a long, hard look at and not brush past too fast. if if two of the three things that the devil is using to deceive people into loving the world and sending them to hell are both associated with the things that we either want or the things that we have, we should be talking about this. We should be thinking about this. It's kind of like, you know, I would say that we are high risk for this in America, okay? Um, Women, once you get to a certain age, you have to go, to, um, you have to go get a mammogram every year. Why? Because it, breast cancer is so prevalent that you have to go and you have to check and make sure that it's not there every year. And I propose that this is what we as Americans should be doing when it comes to this issue of the pride of life and the lust of the eyes. We need to be, we are high risk for this. We need to be checking our hearts and checking our lives regularly Am I succumbing to the love of money? I would say we can't draw a hard line on this, and it's hard to say where, this, um, where the line is on, is somebody proud, is somebody uh, being consumed, and is somebody materialistic. But One thing I will say, though, is that uh, if you spend every dollar you make on yourself, you're probably at risk here. Actually, I wouldn't say at risk, you're in it. <laughs> You know, the Bible says one thing, you know, um, people focus on the rich man uh, that Jesus talked to, and they said, you know, um, Jesus came up to him and he said, give away everything that you have, right? And that makes us super uncomfortable, and so we kind of just try to avoid it altogether. But Jesus doesn't tell every rich person to give away everything that they have in the Bible. But you know what? The Bible does address people who have money and people who are rich uh, multiple times in the New Testament. But you know what it does say to those people? Every single time, Be generous. I think few of us are called to give away everything, but we're all called to give something. Okay. And beyond that, it really does become a heart issue. The Lord loves a cheerful giver, but we are called to be people of generosity, and generosity is what guards our hearts from the love of money. What did Jesus say? He said, "Store up treasures. He said, store up treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break and steal, because where your treasure is." there your heart will be also if this is hard for you and you don't know where you would start you can't imagine really how would i what's the first step in, in getting rid i I do feel like I'm gripped if I have to be if you're really honest with yourself I feel like I am I feel like I may be gripped by this idea of materialism pride of life uh, things I feel like things have a grip on me go give something away and see what happens the moment that you begin to give, it starts to lose its grip on you. It's this weird, backwards way of how the kingdom works. You would think the more stuff you have, the more safe and secure that you feel, but it's just the opposite. Jesus said whenever you give it away, that's when you start to get your life back. That's when you start to get your heart back. Okay? I know I've gone over, but I don't know how much because the negative timer isn't up there today, Um, but let me just close with this. Um, verse 17 says, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Okay. And I want to, I want to just say this to hear me on this. The last sermon that I came up and gave on First John, uh, basically, um, I know you don't remember, so I'm just going to uh, restate it. Uh, the whole point was that John wants you to know that you have eternal life. I hope that you're not sitting here and being like, oh, I really love some stuff, and oh man, I do have a nice car, and I hope I'm not going to hell. That's not the point. If you love the Father, and go back and listen to the other sermon, but if you love the Father and your life's been changed by Jesus, and you know that, uh, what I'm not saying here is give away some stuff or go to hell. What I'm saying is that greed and materialism and the lust of the flesh and these Uh, all these indulgences and stuff like that, it's just not for you. It's not part of who you are as a follower of Jesus. And we're to do our best to not walk in those things. Does that make sense? So the world is passing away. That world that we talked about, the one that's ruled by the devil, the one that hates Jesus, the one that hates you, if you're a follower of Jesus, John says it's passing away. Right now, it's on the way out. It's time is limited. You should amen to that. That means this world, all the brokenness, all the death, all the destruction, everything. I'm I'm so sick and tired of turning on the news and seeing everything that is so anti-God. It hurts my heart. It makes me sad. John is saying, it's on the way out. It's passing away. It's almost gone, (laughs) is what he's saying. Jesus is bringing in his kingdom. Jesus' kingdom, the one where he's in control, is overcoming the world as we speak. You're on the winning team. And all this stuff, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's all on the way out. And Jesus is coming, and he's overcoming, and the kingdom is coming, and we win, and it's about to be over. That is encouraging, and that is something we need to live in every day. And really, that reality is the only thing, I think, and I think John thinks, that keeps us from the lust of the flesh, and keeps us from the pride of life, and the pride of the things that we have, and the things that we do, because it's, he says, it's all going away. It's about to be gone. Why do Christians, why are we called to not just spend every dollar we make on ourselves, and our cars, and our vacations? Because that stuff's going away. And because he says, whoever does the will of God is going to live forever. If you know Jesus, you are going to live forever. You will never die. And so this life, this world that you're living in, this little tiny blip, and that's all it's going to be, is a blip in the scope of eternity. The rest of your time, you're going to be in heaven. <laughs> and this was crazy is, Jesus, and this is why we give away our stuff. This is why we give away our money. It's because whenever we die, we're not going to have it. But he said, if you, he says, store, store up. He doesn't say give everything away. He uses investment terminology. He says, store up treasures in heaven. He says, because we're going to be there a lot longer than we're going to be here. Whenever you give, you're not just giving it away, you're putting it in heaven for later. This is why we're not indulging in the flesh. This is why. We're giving our stuff away. This is why we're giving our money away, is because we're going to live forever. It says, He who does the will of God uh, abides forever. <clears throat> I hope that this uh, is not just a heavy and difficult sermon. I know that it is, and maybe it needs to be for some of us, maybe all of us in a way, but I hope that it is also encouraging. Charles, will you just play, uh, put that last slide up there. Uh, Last thing, the will of God. What is the will of God? Um, There's actually, the will of God is big and it's broad. um, And it's uh, a lot more than these two verses. But there's two verses in the Bible that I know of that talk about, that explicitly say this is the will of God. And one of the, and I think that they very strangely line up with these things that John was talking about. And it says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. Lust of the flesh. And then one more, Charles. And this is God's will, that you would rejoice always, that you would pray continually, and that you would give thanks in all circumstances. It says this, that's God's will. For you in Christ Jesus, he said, "This is just a little bit of God's will." But I think if we start here, um, says these are the things that we do. These are the things that people do who live forever. It's doing God's will, Lord Jesus. Um, would you just help us to not love the world? Would you uh, fixate afresh uh, in our minds, God, um, on eternity today? Um, We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.